0: You're listening to The Mystic Show, episode 141. Welcome to the Mystic Show. I'm happy you're here. I'm your host Chris Curran, and this is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and a lot of things that are unseen and sometimes otherworldly. The purpose of this show is for you and I to discuss these topics that are so important to our lives, you know. I started this show in the fall of 2013, and really, it's it's very congruent with the mission of my life these days, which is to really be involved in conversations and practices and activities which really help you and me grow as human beings. You know, good topics that help us broaden our minds and increase our awareness and really get away from the trap of gossip and, uh, you know, all the crazy, ridiculous stuff that happens in the world, which, you know, it's there, it happens, okay, sometimes we talk about it, okay, but we need to balance all that out with um, looking up, looking up towards our ultimate spiritual goal and and so, I thank you for listening because, believe it or not, or if you're aware of it or not, you're also involved in this um, conversation or mission, if you will, on some level. And um, and if you practice a lot of what we talk about on the show, it'll make a huge difference in your life. We release new episodes every Friday morning, very early, and you can hear us as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And soon to be another app as well. I'm going to announce that maybe next week. And, of course, our website, themysticshow.net. You can get, you can see all our previous episodes, all our guests, all the great books I've been reading from, and wonderful material, themysticshow.net. You can also sign up for behind-the-scenes emails. Um, you get a little, some tidbits of me producing the show and and you also get a very special piece of audio for free by signing up for that, so you can find out on the website. And of course, a shout out to our sponsor, Pause Your Life. That's right. You want to hit the pause button on your life? Do you ever feel like that? Like it's like this merry-go-round or this whirlwind that just doesn't stop and you're just like, you know what? Can we stop the world for like seven days and and let me just sleep and eat and be a human being. Well, pause your life um is uh an organization my wife and I started and we facilitate meetups and retreats where people can just drop all the baggage and just be a human being. So, and in a way that's kind of what you're doing right now by listening to the Mystic Show, you're kind of stopping everything else in a way. Even if you're walking or running or, you know, folding laundry or cooking, or walking on the beach. Oh, that'd be nice. You know, you're still giving sort of like part of your mind over to uh, to learning about these topics that we're talking about on this show. So, pause your life. And we also just launched a new meetup group in Colorado Springs, and we're having our first meetup, um, well, soon, but... Well, on the day this episode's published, it'll be uh, the next day we're having a meetup. So it's August 8th, 2015. But of course, if you're listening to this way after that, (laughs) then, then it's already happened. Almost like a time machine or something. These podcasts, right? Isn't it great? So I wonder how your spiritual journey's going. Are you meditating? Are you practicing? Are you... Reading books. Are you? What are you doing? Um, well, I have to say, whatever you're doing is good. I think, and uh, hope, hopefully, it leads you to the next thing and the next thing. Right? That's what that. When I look back on my journey so far, that's exactly what's happened. I, I, read all kinds of different books. I was into astrology at one point and into personal development. For a while, I completely overdosed on uh, Tony Robbins. But you know, it's funny—you move through a f- like a few years, you're into something, and then you just you move on. You, you're then you're into something else, and uh, hopefully, the level of spirituality of those um, interests keeps moving up. So, as you might know. I've sort of unofficially deemed this summer as the Summer of Vivekananda. (laughs) Yep, Swami Vivekananda from India. And of course, he visited the United States. This is back near the turn of the 20th century. So, And we've been reading from a book that he published in 1896, and it's called Raja Yoga and you know in the inside of the book it says it's called raja yoga or conquering the internal nature which is pretty interesting so and he's talking about raja yoga we've already read from well we've already read chapters 1 2 and 3 so today we're going to read chapter 4 which is called the psychic prana and um and after i finish reading it i don't think it's that long um I'm probably not going to comment on it. So I might just finish reading and kind of say thank you and and fade out the music. Um but this is a really great book because you know why? Because it really helps us to understand what the great masters were talking about and learning and practicing. You know, even if we don't practice it or you know, I know he's going to talk about Kundalini in this chapter and um you know some people want to practice some sort of kundalini meditation some people don't it's a, and it's okay if you never do but it's good to um understand what these great men and women were talking about it just helps us um get to that next level of conscious awareness in our lives right So, why don't we just get started again? This is chapter four from the book Raja Yoga by Swami Vivekananda, published in July of 1896. Here we go. According to the yogis, there are two nerve currents in the spinal column called Pingala and Ida, and there is a hollow canal called Susumna running through the spinal cord at the lower end of the hollow canal is what the yogis call the lotus of the kundalini they describe it as triangular in form in which in the symbolic language of the yogis there is a power called the kundalini coiled up when that kundalini awakes it tries to force a passage through this hollow canal And, as it rises step by step, as it were, layer after layer of the mind becomes open. All these different visions and wonderful powers come to the yogi. When it reaches the brain, the yogi is perfectly detached from the body and mind. The soul finds itself free. We know that the spinal cord is composed in a peculiar manner. If we take the figure 8 horizontally, there are two parts, and these two parts are connected in the middle. Suppose you add 8 after 8 piled on top of the other, that will represent the spinal cord. The left is the ida, and the right the pingala and that hollow canal which runs through the center of the spinal cord is the susumna. Where the spinal cord ends in some of the lumbar vertebrae, a fine fiber comes down, and the canal is even in that fiber, only much finer. The canal is closed at the lower end, which is situated near what is called the sacral plexus, which, according to modern physiology, is triangular in form. The different plexuses that have their centers in the spinal cord can very well stand for the different lotuses of the yogi. The yogi conceives of several centers, beginning with the muladhara, the basic, and ending with the sahasrara, the thousand-petaled lotus in the brain. So if we take these different plexuses as representing these circles, the idea of the yogi can be understood very easily in the language of modern physiology. We know there are two sorts of actions in these nerve currents. One afferent, the other efferent. One sensory, the other motor. One centripetal, and the other centrifugal. One carries the sensations to the brain and the other from the brain to the outer body. These vibrations are all connected with the brain in the long run. Several other facts we have to remember in order to clear the way for the explanation which is to come. The spinal cord at the brain ends in a sort of bulb in the medulla, which is not attached to the bone, but floats in a fluid in the brain, so that if there be a blow on the head, the force of that blow will be dissipated in the fluid and will not hurt the bulb. This will be an important fact as we go on. Secondly, we have also to know that, of all the centers we have particular, to remember, three. The muladhara, the basic, the sahasrara, the thousand-petaled lotus of the brain, and the svadhisthana, next above the muladhara. Next, we take one fact from physics. We all hear of electricity and various other forces connected with it. What electricity is, no one knows. But, so far as it is known, it is a sort of motion. There are various other motions in the universe. What is the difference between them and electricity? Suppose this table moves, that the molecules which compose this table are moving in different directions. If they are all made to move in the same direction, it will be electricity. Electric motion is when the molecules all move in the same direction. If all the air molecules in a room are made to move in the same direction, it will make a gigantic battery of electricity of the room. Another point from physiology we must remember, that the center which regulates the respiratory system, the breathing system, has a sort of controlling action over the system of nerve currents and the controlling center of the respiratory system is opposite the thorax in the spinal column this center regulates the respiratory organs and also exercises some control over the secondary centers now we shall see why breathing is practiced in the first place From rhythmical breathing will come a tendency of all the molecules in the body to have the same direction. When mind changes into will, the currents change into a motion similar to electricity, because the nerves have been proved to show polarity under action of electric currents. This shows that when the will evolves into the nerve currents, it is changed into something like electricity. When all the motion of the body have become perfectly rhythmical, the body has, as it were, become a gigantic battery of will. This tremendous will is exactly what the yogi wants. This is, therefore, a physiological explanation of the breathing exercise. It tends to bring a rhythmic action in the body and helps us, through the respiratory center, to control the other centers. The aim of pranayama here is to rouse the coiled up power of the muladhara called the kundalini. Everything that we see or imagine or dream, we have to perceive in space. This is the ordinary space, called the mahakasa, or great space. When a yogi reads the thoughts of other men, or perceives supersensuous objects, he sees them in another sort of space, called the chittakasa, the mental space. When perception has become objectless, and the soul shines in its own nature, it is called The Chidakasa, or knowledge space. When the kundalini is aroused and enters the canal of the Susumna, all the perceptions are in the mental space. When it has reached that end of the canal which opens out into the brain, the objectless perception is in the knowledge space. Taking the analogy of electricity we find that man can send a current only along a wire, but nature requires no wires to send her tremendous currents. This proves that the wire is not really necessary, but that only our inability to dispense with it compels us to use it. Similarly, all the sensations and motions of the body are being sent into the brain, and sent out of it, through these wires of nerve fibers. The column of sensory and motor fibers in the spinal cord are the ida and pingala of the yogis. They are the main channels through which the efferent and efferent currents are traveling. But why should not the mind send the news without any wire? or react without any wires. We see that this is being done in nature. The yogi says if you can do that, you have got rid of the bondage of matter. How to do it? If you can make the current pass through the susumna, the canal in the middle of the spinal column, you have solved the problem. The mind has made this network of the nervous system and has to break it so that no wires will be required to work through. Then alone will all knowledge come to us. No more bondage of body. That is why it is so important that you should get control of the Susumna. If you can send the mental current through that hollow canal without any nerve fibers to act as wires, the yogi says you have solved the problem, and he also says it can be done. This susumna is, in ordinary persons, closed up at the lower extremity. No action comes through it. The yogi proposes a practice by which it can be opened, and the nerve currents made to travel through. When a sensation is carried to a center, the center reacts. This reaction, in the case of automatic centers, is followed by motion. In the case of conscious centers, it is followed first by perception and secondly by motion. All perception is the reaction to action from outside. How, then, do perceptions in dreams arise? There is, then, no action from outside. The sensory motions, therefore, are coiled up somewhere, just as the motor motions are known to be in different centers. For instance, I see a city. The perception of that city was from the reaction to the sensations brought from outside objects comprising that city. That is to say, a certain motion in the brain molecules has been set up by the motion in the in-carrying nerves, which again were set in motion by external objects in the city. Now, even after a long time I can remember the city. This memory is exactly the same phenomenon, only it is in a milder form. But whence is the action that set up even the milder form of similar vibrations in the brain? Not certainly from the primary sensations. Therefore, it must be that the sensations are coiled up somewhere, and they, by their acting, bring out the mild reaction, which we call dream perception. Now the center where all these residual sensations are, as it were, stored up, is called the muladhara, the root receptacle. And the coiled up energy of action is kundalini, the coiled up. It is very probable that the residual motor energy is, is also stored up in the same center as, after deep study or meditation on external objects, the part of the body where the muladhara center is situated, probably the sacral plexus, gets heated. Now, if this coiled-up energy be roused and made active, and then consciously made to travel up the Susumna canal, as it acts upon center after center, a tremendous reaction will set in. When a minute portion of the energy of action travels along a nerve fiber and causes reaction from centers, the perception is either dream or imagination. But when the vast mass of this energy stored up by the power of long internal meditation travels along the Susumna, and strikes the centers, the reaction is tremendous, immensely superior to the reaction of dream or imagination, immensely more intense than the reaction of sense perception. It is super sensuous perception, and the mind in that state is called super conscious. And when it reaches the metropolis of all sensations, the brain, The whole brain, as it were, reacts. And every perceiving molecule in the body, as it were, reacts. And the result is the full blaze of illumination, the perception of self. As this kundalini force travels from center to center, layer after layer of the mind, as it were, will be opened up and this universe will be perceived by the yogi in its fine or coarse form. Then alone the causes of this universe, both as sensation and reaction, will be known as they are, and hence will come all knowledge. Then alone the causes of this universe, both as sensation and reaction, will be known as they are, and hence will come all knowledge. The causes being known, the knowledge of the effects is sure to follow. Thus, the rousing of the kundalini is the one and only way to attaining divine wisdom and superconscious perception, the realization of the spirit. It may come in various ways, through love for God, through the mercy of perfected sages, or through the power of the analytic will of the philosopher. Wherever there is any manifestation of what is ordinarily called supernatural power or wisdom, there must have been a little current of kundalini which found its way into the Susumna. Only in the vast majority of such cases of supernaturalism they had ignorantly stumbled on to some practice which set free a minute portion of the coiled-up kundalini. All worship, consciously or unconsciously, leads to this end. The man who thinks that he is receiving responses to his prayers does not know that the fulfillment came only from his own nature, that he has succeeded by the mental attitude of prayer in waking up a bit of this infinite power which is coiled up within himself. Whom thus men ignorantly worship under various names through fear and tribulation, the yogi declares to the world to be the real power coiled up in every being, the mother of eternal happiness, if we know how to approach her. And Raja Yoga is the science of religion, the rationale of all worship, all prayers, forms, ceremonies, and miracles. All right. That that was a nice little piece of education. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Mystic Show. All our other episodes are on themysticshow.net. And as you move through your weekend and your week, keep some of these thoughts in mind and try to become aware of some of these things. They're inside you right now. Enjoy your journey. And as always, keep shining.